Having kids is awesome, but raising them is challenging and filled with ups and downs. Sometimes the downs threaten to drown out the ups. In short, having kids is risky. We get it. We're parents too. But we're also pediatric emergency doctors. We have unique insight into risks and how to keep them in perspective. Welcome to Cloudy with a Risk of Children. Join Dr. Ed, that's me, and my co-host, Dr. Phil, as we explore the challenges and the fun of raising healthy children. That hit song by Nick Gilder is a blast from the past, released almost 25 years ago. But it's a good introduction to this first official episode of Cloudy with a Risk of Children, where we discuss the hot topic of fever in kids. The opening line of the song is a pretty good summary, I think, of how many parents feel about fever. Danger in the shape of something wild. Don't worry, I won't sing it. That would kill this podcast deader than a doornail before we have a chance to get rolling. But today we're going to look at why kids make a fever. Is it ever dangerous? When should parents worry? Or should they ever worry? I'm Dr. Edward Less, and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Dr. Phil Ukrainitz. Welcome, Phil. Morning, Ed. Glad to be here. Looking forward to being able to reassure parents about fever. Let's kick things off by listening to a clip from a press conference delivered by Premier Danielle Smith, the leader of our province, Alberta, in which she announces the procurement of a supply of Advil and Tylenol, and in which she makes some comments around the issue of fever in children. What people need to know is that when their child gets sick, that they have the medication available to them so that they can treat the symptoms at home. Fever is scary for parents. Um, if a child becomes feverish and dehydrated, um, I was talking to Shivali, the a pharmacist here, it can lead to, to seizures in the younger children. This is really serious if they can't get acetaminophen to bring the fever down. And that is why we want to make sure parents have access to the medication that they need, because if they can't uh, break the fever, they end up in the hospital rooms. And that is what's causing the pressure on our hospitals, not here, but across the entire country. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, the Premier is certainly correct that for many parents, fever is scary. It certainly drives a lot of traffic uh, to our emergency department. Yes, Ed, I would say that three quarters of our patient presentations are fever related. I do take some issue with the Premier's comments, uh, however, and to be clear, I'm not taking pot shots at her. She's a member of the lay public, after all. She's not a doctor. But it's where she says, quote, this is really serious if they can't get the fever down. I think she said, if they can't break the fever, they end up in the hospital room. So there's some myths and uh, misunderstandings, misconceptions to unpack here. And these are the sorts of things that we want to talk about today on this show. So before we get to that, a quick comment about Celsius versus Fahrenheit. Our American audience is, of course, familiar with Fahrenheit, but many of our Canadian uh, parents uh, still measure temperature in Fahrenheit too. So just to be clear, we generally regard a fever as anything over 38 degrees Celsius, which is 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. 40 degrees Celsius is 104 degrees Fahrenheit, and quite a high fever at uh, 42 degrees Celsius would be approximately 107.6 degrees Fahrenheit, 
which I guess is not approximate. That's pretty exact. So that aside, I think it's fair to say that in general, parents find the concept of fever overall uh, pretty scary. It's also fair to say that fever doesn't scare us. Absolutely. But it used to. In fact, uh, you'll remember uh, Dr. William Osler, uh, for our listeners, he is widely regarded to be the father of modern medicine. He had this to say, the esteemed uh, Dr. Osler, about 125 years ago, quote, humanity has but three great enemies, fever, famine, and war. Of these, by far the greatest, by far the most terrible, is fever. And this is from one of the giants of medicine, uh, revered in his day as the consummate physician. So the question is, was he right? And it's important to remember that Dr. Osler practiced medicine before the role of microbes in disease was fully understood. Back in his day, it wasn't really understood that the bacteria and viruses were the cause of untimely demise, and so fever was often blamed. But now we know that fever is, in fact, one of the key soldiers deployed by our immune system in the battle against infection. Agreed. And a very different time and very different exposure to both bacterial agents, lack of vaccinations, lack of hygiene, sanitation, the things that have markedly changed all approaches to fever and infection now. Fever was a symptom, but was not the diagnosis. Yeah, right. But yet the, that notion that fever is something to worry about is deeply embedded, and that's why so many parents come to see us. So I sat last week with uh, Dr. Otto Vanderkoy. You know Dr. Vanderkoy. I know him well. He's a also a colleague of myself and Phil, but he's a pediatric infectious disease doctor at Alberta Children's Hospital. In fact, he's the chief of infectious disease. And he's been plying his trade for more than 20 years, I think. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Vanderkoy. Let me start off by asking you how you approach parents who come to you with questions and anxiety around fever in their children. So I, I start with normalizing the idea of fever. The perception that fever is a bad thing and is something to be avoided at all costs, I think is the biggest hurdle we face each day. Fever is a natural response to infection. So Phil, you and I will, of course, say exactly the same sort of thing to parents, but one of the things we'll often get in return is, yes, but. And what I mean by yes, but is that the parents will say this, or some version of it, yes, but the fever is too high. Right. See it all the time. The fever, you know, what, how high is too high? I pitched that exact question to Dr. Vanderkoy. Here's what he had to say. You asked the question, is there a fever that is too high in relation to infections? And really, the answer to that question is no. Because the very rare fevers that really allow the fever to be a cause of problems are not caused by infection. Those are very rare circumstances where the body's ability to regulate their temperature has fallen apart. And then fevers above 42 are ones that we would consider a medical emergency. Like you're talking about the kids who are like left in a hot car in Florida while the parents are in the casino gambling and they come back and their kids like cooked. Exactly. We've overwhelmed the body's regular thermostat from doing its job properly. That does not happen in infection. So that's environmental. And I, you know, as you and I both know, there's some medications that can do that. For example, there's an anesthetic agent that can give you something called malignant hyperthermia right. because your body temperature goes too high. There's some drugs that you can take, overdose on drugs that can make your temperature go that high. But what I'm hearing you say is essentially 
over 42 is possibly injurious to your body or to your... Possibly. So parents worry, like they, what we hear all the time is, uh, the most common narrative is fever is harmful to my child's brain, right? So under 42 degrees, no risk to the brain, essentially. Essentially. And I think that is the most important take-home message. It is a signal. It's like a traffic light. Less than 38, you're in the green zone. You're good to go. It's normal. That orange zone says there's, I'm fighting something. The amber light has come on. You're between 38 and 39 and a half. Yeah, you're probably fighting some sort of a, an infection. By far the most common is that common viral infection, which may have any number of names that we can attach to that because there's hundreds of viruses that can do that to us. And then we hit the red light. Yes, you should pay attention to me. I'm fighting something significant over 39 and a half. I really like that analogy that Dr. Vanderkoy uses with the green light, orange light, red light approach to when you should be more concerned about fever, you know, really framing that it's what the fever sort of suggests um, rather than focusing on the number itself. And I also like, and I don't know if you agree with this, Ed, because parents will say to me, why does my child look worse when they're 40 than when they're 38.5 if fever is just fever? And I would say to them that the higher the fever, often the child has more, is trying to deal with more heat, they will look worse, but that doesn't mean they are worse. And that would become where we would use an analgesic like Tylenol or Advil to try and break the fever and see what the child looks like underlying that. Uh, what you mean by analgesic, of course, Phil, is these medicines that we commonly know as Tylenol and Advil, painkillers or analgesics in our language. And we'll get to quite a bit more discussion around the uses of Tylenol and Advil a bit later in this podcast. But first, I want to share something else that Dr. Vanderkoy mentioned in our interview together, where he offered his perspective as not just a doctor, but as a dad of kids himself, uh, kids who uh, periodically get sick and, and periodically have fever. Have a listen. In my professional world, some of these things are very normal. I don't get excited. You'll hardly see me stressed at work. But in similar circumstances, you know, my child at one point while on vacation had a fever of over 39 and a half for three days. Yeah. At 18 months of age. Yeah. yeah. And I'm an infectious disease specialist, a pediatrician, and a dad. Well, yeah. the dad response was far stronger than any of the others. So I have to say about being a father and being a doctor, pertinent to Dr. Vanderkoy's point, for Ed and I, both with four kids each, we've watched our kids with a fever. We've walked a mile in our parents' shoes. We know that it's stressful. And it's hard to also be a doctor and a father. You lose objectivity. I think the key thing we put our hats back on to say, what would we do with our patients? What would we tell our patients and their parents and reassure them that fever isn't dangerous? Right. And I think it's really perfectly understandable in the modern milieu where parents have this embedded notion of fever being possibly dangerous and being able to consult Dr. Google for information that sometimes isn't really accurate information. It's understandable that we see the traffic that we do. You know, one of the lines that I'll use with my residents at work, and you might do the same, Phil, and that is, you know, we'll, we'll sometimes be inundated with kids with fever. And I remind my residents that just because something might not seem like an emergency to us, for sure it seems like an emergency to parents. And we have to always respect that. 
And an add-on question often with parents is, but what about seizures related to fever? I think a few things more frightening to parents than when their child is having a seizure. And absolutely true that for a small minority of children, small children, seizures in the context of fever is a thing. And so that's something we should talk about. And in fact, it's one of the questions I put directly to Dr. Otto Vanderkoy last week. So febrile seizure also talked about as a fever convulsion is an uncommon response in about 2% of children where with a fever, they have a seizure. A seizure being an episode where they may shake, they may temporarily not be aware of their surroundings. We use the word losing consciousness. We may even see some body stiffness or eyes rolling back. And these symptoms can be very, very alarming to parents. But if they last less than five minutes, again, we in the medical world, you come in and the families are very excited and stressed out. And we look at them like, ah, no big deal. It's fine. And what we're saying there is two to 5% of kids who may have one febrile seizure at some point in their life, it is related to how quickly the brain warms up. It is not causing damage. As that fever comes up, the body's going, wow, that's a really rapid change in how I'm used to functioning. I'm going to respond to that. So just to emphasize Dr. Vanderkoy's comment, basically seizures happen when the temperature in your child goes from being normal rapidly to becoming abnormal. And it's unique to the kind of pediatric young brain that it doesn't weather the storm of that temperature change the way an adult brain would. Or maybe a better way to say it is they respond differently than adults do. Uh, their brain actually does weather the storm okay in the sense that there isn't any harm or injury to your child. But certainly adults don't respond to fever with a seizure response, whereas a significant uh, portion, up to 5% of small kids between the ages of six months and five years do respond in that way. And so you and I, Phil, spend quite a bit of time on some of our shifts reassuring parents around febrile seizures. But I thought I would put the question to Dr. Vanderkoy as to what his approach is to worried parents in this context. Between six months and five years is where this phenomenon is the most common. And certainly we would recommend that any child who has a seizure in the context of fever there is no need to panic. If it goes on for more than five minutes, yeah. it is worth calling emergency medical services. If it's less than five minutes, once a seizure subsides, you should still seek medical care. So to bottom line it around these types of seizures, take home message really is don't panic. These are fairly common. They don't cause harm. They should always be checked. But one of the questions I get from parents is, you know, these are frightening and, you know, I hear what you're saying, but Ideally, I'd love to prevent them. And so the question that I get, I don't know about you, Phil, I'm sure you do too, is can I give Tylenol Advil to prevent seizure? Yeah, and I try and really reinforce to parents that they are setting themselves up for failure. You can't prevent a febrile seizure. You can't give seamless enough medication early enough. You'd have to be anticipating the fever. It's not helpful. And back to the key point, febrile seizures do not hurt children. So really the only way in which you could theoretically at least prevent a seizure from happening in the context of fever is if you were giving your children regular Tylenol and Advil when they don't have a fever, almost as a fever preventative, which of course is not a logical thing to do. 
Agreed. And the risk of harm from the medication is higher than the risk of harm from a febrile seizure. Right. So that's a good segue to the whole topic of Tylenol and Advil and Motrin, so acetaminophen and ibuprofen, and when they should be used. Again, here's Dr. Vanderkoy. They only use Tylenol if the fever and the symptoms are causing discomfort to the child. Right. So treat 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 the child, but not the fever. So kind of Correct. what your message. Don't is. worry about the number. Right. Look at your child. If they're playing happily and they've just got snot running down their face and they got a low grade fever, yeah, leave them be. But of course, parents use Tylenol and Advil all the time, and I wonder sometimes. You know, parents come to our emergency department and come to the triage desk. Their child's sick, often with fever. Our triage nurses, who are supremely skilled and just excellent, often reach for Tylenol and Advil and uh, medicate those kids who are crying and irritable when they first show up at the emergency department. And I I wonder sometimes whether parents uh, derive the wrong idea from that, despite the best efforts of our nurses. Right. And I guess what I would hope, you know, not to pass a teachable moment to a parent, would be that the nurse would say, and they probably do this more than we think, uh, I'm giving this because your child's uncomfortable, your child looks maybe listless or a bit fussy, and they're uncomfortable. So I'm going to treat their pain and discomfort, and that's also going to help so you see how the child looks once the fever's broken, and to help so that the physician's looking at the child post-pain medication. Right. So I put this question to Dr. Vanderkoy. Is it critical that we use these medications when our kids are sick? No. I know at my house, trying to sometimes find the Advil or Tylenol is is the challenge. The adults like their Advil after sports, but the kids in general, if it's a low-grade fever, yeah, they felt warm, put them to bed and rest them. Uh, We don't run for it because it makes no difference. It it treats It makes no difference to their recovery from illness. Correct. Their recovery from illness is neither shortened or lengthened. So, Dr. Vanderkoy, if we are using Tylenol and Advil, kind of by the logic we're spooling out here, does that actually then get in the way of the immune response if uh, we don't allow, say, fever to do its work? That has been a worry on and off in both infection studies as well as in vaccine or immunization studies. And to date, if you look at the vast majority of all of the data that we can get our hands on, there is no effect on the course of an infectious illness or, like I said, the immune response or the protection you get from a vaccine, whether or not you use medications such as Advil and Tylenol in response to fever. Right. So, so just to be crystal clear, it's perfectly okay to use Tylenol and Advil intermittently when your kids are sick to make them more comfortable. You don't need to worry that you're interfering with the immune response. Is that right? That's 100% correct. One of the things that's confusing for parents, we field a lot of questions around this, is around dosing. And it's confusing, unfortunately, because the medications that are available for babies and for children have different concentrations. So for example, you know, babies will have a liquid medication, Tylenol, that is a certain concentration. And, you know, I don't expect our listeners to uh, internalize these numbers, but just for illustration, it'll be 80 milligrams in one ml, so 80 milligrams per mil. Whereas the children's version of liquid Tylenol is a different concentration entirely, which is, a, and again, don't internalize this, it's 160 milligrams per five mils. 
And so the dosing for parents can be pretty confusing. Never mind for our U.S. listeners that a five mils is a teaspoon yeah. and one mil is one fifth of a teaspoon. Right. And then you're converting the milligrams. Yeah. It's confusing. And so Dr. Vanderkoy also shared some comments with regard to dosing for simplicity's sake for parents, just to take the worry out of it with regard to the different concentrations, because it can be quite confusing for parents. If you have any concerns about what the intermittent and appropriate amounts are, pay close attention to the label or talk to your pharmacist or doctor about how should I use this medication? Because just like anything else in the medical world, too much can cause problems in and of itself. Sure. So making sure you do it right, because more is not necessarily going to give you more benefit, but it may actually cause you harm. So that's an important point, right, Phil? And that is that, you know, when your kids are sick, don't get too carried away with the Tylenol and the Advil. Remember, they're comfort measures, they're supportive measures, they make you feel better, they don't change the course of the disease. Right. One of the things I've said to parents over the years is that no child has ever been harmed by fever. But believe me when I tell you that there have been people and kids harmed by too much Tylenol or too much Advil. Absolutely. Now, another question that comes from parents often is whether or not they can use their own Advil and Tylenol for their children, given the shortages that we've all been experiencing. Again, I consulted Dr. Vanderkoy. Is there a difference between kids' Advil and Tylenol while we're talking about this topic? If you're going to use it, is there something unique about kids' Tylenol as opposed to adult Tylenol? Is it a different drug? They're identical in terms of the effective medication that's in them. In children, we have created products that might be in a liquid format, so it's easier for young children to take. It might be in a chewable format, so it tastes better and the kid can chew on it. But at the end of the day, Tylenol, the generic name, acetaminophen, is what is the effective compound in all three of those formulations or style of medication. So whether it's children's liquid or children's chewable tablets or adult pill that you swallow, Tylenol is Tylenol is Tylenol, acetaminophen, 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 right? Correct. And the same thing true for Advil or ibuprofen. 100% correct. So it, it, really the same medicine, Phil, but worth uh, emphasizing to parents to be careful of the dosing because clearly the strength and the concentrations of the adult medications are different than what we see in, in the kids' medicines, which in general are easier to administer to the small kids because they're, they taste good and they're easy to swallow if they're liquid and easy to chew and swallow if they're the chewable tablet. There's been a move lately because of the recent shortage for pharmacies to compound the adult medications into more palatable forms for kids. And so that's uh, certainly one option for parents. You know, another one of the things I'll share just to drive home the importance of fever so that I can help parents kind of climb off the ledge with regard to, you know, trying to exterminate the fever when they see it. And, and, and that is that, you know, I'll say, you know, there's two periods of life when fever doesn't reliably come to our aid. So when you're a newborn, in the first, for sure, in the first month of life, you know, when the biological machinery, so to speak, it's bright and shiny, but it's just getting up to speed. Then those, like those really small babies, they don't reliably make a fever 
when they get an infection. And I like to keep it simple for parents, and I say under three months. Let's just take that whole super young, yep. young category of children. That's a good time to get your child looked at sooner than later. Absolutely, because you know, related to what I just said, when those really young kids get an infection, they are so much more at risk. They're they, they're still a bit more vulnerable than children over three months, certainly than older children than adults. And then the other time in life when fever doesn't you know, come along and help us fight off infection. That's at the other end when you're old and your biological machinery again is older and getting rusty and the wheels are coming off. And then you're to be like an 82-year-old man with pneumonia, a bacterial infection in your lung, and you don't make a fever. It's one of the reasons why they get so sick. They get something, you know, called sepsis and they can actually die from that. So I, I, I use those examples just to drive home the importance of fever as an aid to helping us getting better. Agreed. And on that note, with children and adults, I'll often say, because you have parents present with a child with a fever, parents are very worried about the child, and I'll say to them, incredibly, you can treat this fever that your child has, similar to how you'd treat if you had a fever as an adult. So if you had a low-grade fever but didn't feel that bad, you might just lay down and relax. If your fever got high enough that you were starting to feel uncomfortable, you would go take Advil Tylenol to help relieve your symptoms. You can treat your child the same way you would treat yourself. They are not different species. Right. And, and related to that, you will know from your own experience, and from my, I know from my own experience with uh, my man colds, that you know no matter how much Advil and Tylenol you take, you can't erase all of your discomfort. And the same thing applies to our kids. You know, Advil and Tylenol are designed to provide relief from discomfort, but you can't relieve all of their miserableness, and nor should you try. There's a well-known children's book called Going on a Bear Hunt that I sometimes use as analogy or metaphor for parents when I'm talking to them about their children's uh, illness. And uh, as many of our listeners are aware, the basic story plot is some kids go hunting for a bear and encounter all kinds of obstacles, whereupon they conclude that they can't go over the obstacles, can't go under, but they simply have to go through them, and so then they proceed. And I think that's a pretty good uh, analogy for what is the case with most child illness, in the sense that you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you simply have to go through it. There's some discomfort involved, but for the most part, thankfully, most of our kids pull through just fine. So, Phil, we've hammered through a lot of stuff today. I think maybe at this juncture, we'll hammer home some uh, take-home points. Given the title of this podcast, perhaps we'll call them Rays of Sunshine. But in any case, let me just uh, hit some bullet points. So this is what I want our listeners to take home, these key messages. First of all, no child has ever been harmed by fever. Secondly, fever doesn't cause brain damage or any other injury to the body. Third, there's no such thing as a fever that is too high. Fourth, fever is a healthy response to infection. Fever is your friend, not your foe. Fifth, fever seizures or febrile seizures, while they're scary, they're benign, meaning they're not harmful. But absolutely, when they happen, your child should always be seen by a doctor. Sixth, 
it's perfectly okay to give Tylenol or Advil, acetaminophen or ibuprofen to your kids when they're sick to make them comfortable. But treat the child, not the fever. Pay attention to fever as parents. You want to know within a day or two why they have a fever. And you also want to know in a reasonable amount of time that the fever is going to go away. And we usually say about four or five days. Seventh, just to be clear with regard to the littlest ones, so kids under three months, if they have a fever, those are a higher risk group. And in general, it's good advice to seek the attention and the advice of a medical professional. And finally, the last point I'll say, just common sense things. We should use the very good tools we have at our disposal. Get your children vaccinated. Teach them how to wash their hands. Interesting, Ed. The final point you have there, I have to say, is the primary difference between what the father of modern-day medicine, William Osler, that case we gave where he said fever was the biggest threat to mankind, and the difference we have now, and I completely agree with you, are get vaccinated, wash your hands, which is sanitation and hygiene, all simple things that all of us can do. Stay at home when you're sick, which is common sense. Don't share your secretions. So in our case, our kids, hockey, soccer, water bottles. And then I'd say a final point in a small case, a small proportion of the cases is the gift that antibiotics, that modern day medicine has found antibiotics to be used strategically in the right situations. Thanks, Bill. That's a great segue to our next episode where we discuss the so-called risk of antibiotics. As you and I both know full well, antibiotics have been an enormous blessing to humankind with regard to stamping out disease. But there are some downsides to how we've been using antibiotics in the modern era. And that's what we're going to tackle next time in an episode titled Drugged, the Risk of Antibiotics. Now, this is the point at which we would open our listener mailbag and respond to any feedback and suggestions that we've received. But given that this is our first official episode, we don't have anything in our mailbag yet. And so if you have any feedback or criticism, feel free to send it to us at feedback at riskofkids.com. And we'll open that letterbox on future shows and respond to feedback that we receive. A huge thank you to my co-host, Phil, for joining me today. And a big shout out to Dr. Otto Vanderkoy for his wisdom and his insights. We hope you'll join us for the next show. We'll sign off with another oldie but goodie, the unmatchable Peggy Lee. Take it away, Peggy. Fever in the morning, a fever all through the night. Everybody's got the fever. That is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago Thank you for listening to Cloudy with the Risk of Children, hosted by emergency physicians Dr. Edward Less and Dr. Phil Ukrainitz. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at riskofkids.substack.com. We'd love some feedback. Send us your comments or ideas you'd like to see us explore on future shows. You can reach us at feedback at riskofkids.com. That's feedback at riskofkids.com. Most episodes of Cloudy with the Risk of Children feature a listener mailbag where we respond to some of the feedback we've received. 
please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better, points us to topics that are relevant to you, and helps us reach new listeners. Again, thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Until then, remember, kids are like boomerangs. They're wonderful to hold, but they're meant to fly. The views expressed on this show should not be taken or construed as personal medical advice. For individual medical opinions, please consult your own doctor. Cloudy with the Risk of Children is a Studio D podcast production.